Welcome back to the MicroConf podcast. This is a MicroConf refresh episode of sorts. It's not a conference talk, but it's a conversation between Rand Fishkin and I. And I interview him about his experience building and selling Moz, about his experience starting SparkToro. He and I wind up talking a little bit about Dungeons and Dragons and hobbies at the end. Really fascinating conversation. This was recorded just a few weeks ago at our MicroConf local event in Seattle, Washington. It was an amazing spot, a nice brewery. We had about 50 people in attendance. And you can hear the energy in this conversation. We're trying to host MicroConf locals about every month, give or take. Obviously, we're not going to do it around holidays and probably take a break for the summer. But our next MicroConf local is in Atlanta on October 18th. And I'm doing another one of these. We're calling these SaaS snapshots, where I sit down with a SaaS founder, ask them questions about what they're thinking about, what they built, where they're headed. And the next one is with Ben Chestnut, the former CEO and the co-founder of MailChimp. And then in November, we have a MicroConf local in Austin, Texas, where I'll be talking with Jason Cohen of WP Engine. If you want to see all the MicroConf locals coming up, head to microconf.com slash locals. And with that, let's dive into my conversation with the always authentic Rand Fishkin. All right. Well, thanks everybody for coming out. We're going to spend the next 30 or so minutes hearing from Rand Fishkin. So quick show of hands. Who here has heard of Rand Fishkin before? All right, very good. And so um, it seems warranted to have a little introduction. So uh, I, I wanna intro you and then I want you to tell me which pieces of it I get wrong. All right, so, so Rand started an SEO agency with his mom in 2006. Three. 2003, wow, old school. All right, so he started the agency and then started building software, realizing agencies are, they're fine, but you had a need for software internally. Yeah, correct it. This is good. Uh, not the motivation. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so we, we, this SEO agency, which was called SEO Moz, uh, had some, do you guys know um, Exploding Kittens or anything that Matt Inman has done? So Matt Inman was our coder, right? He was like the one person who, you know, it was like me, Matt, and my mom. I did not know that. Yeah, Matt Inman. So Matt um, basically built some software because he was very annoyed by doing like SEO work. He was like, this sucks, I hate it. Um, so he built some software and I was like, Matt, I really want to share this software on the blog. And he was like, no, we can't do it. We, we, it'll, it'll burn down our servers. I was like, okay, well, what if we put out a, up like a PayPal link and you had to PayPal us like 30 bucks? And he's like, ugh, fine. <laughs> um, he's a very grumpy person. Does Matt talk like that? Oh yeah, no, really? that was a perfect impression. I haven't There's, heard him talk, so I just yeah. see his art. Yeah. I, you know what, I haven't talked to him in years, so maybe, maybe not anymore. Um, but uh, yeah, I mean, he hated everything to do with tech. That's why he like left to become a cartoonist. He hated tech, but he was a developer? Yeah, yeah, yeah. All right. Yeah. Uh, in fact, Hilarious story. So Geraldine, my wife, hired him because she was like, oh, he's kind of hot. Let's hire that guy. <laughs> just, Amazing. Woo. So I can, t can uh, you already tell the way this whole thing's going to yeah, go? Yeah, yeah. So I expected the intro to take about, I had 60 seconds marked on here. I think we're about three minutes in. Let's sorry, keep going. Sorry, sorry, No, no, no. This is great. Right. So Matt so, Inman. We launch the PayPal. You have to PayPal us 30 bucks a month in order to get access to the software. Um, and six months in... We're like, oh shit, 
this is making as much money as our consulting business, all our consulting clients combined. I think we might be onto something. We did not know what the acronym SAS meant. We had never heard of it. We did not know how subscription businesses work. When a venture capitalist, Michelle Goldberg, reached out and was like, hey, would you ever like raise VC for this? I had to Google venture capital? <laughs> what is that? So it, rank amateurs, Rob, complete amateurs. And yet somehow you managed to build a SaaS business that did, so last memory, this is where we get into the stuff of correcting me. Last time I heard Moz was doing four, 40, 45 million a year. Did it get When it? I left, it was a, just over 50. Okay. So, but to be frank, it might've gone a little down. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And then, so you, uh, oh, by the way, Lost and Founder is Rand's book. You should get it, it's amazing. Um, I listened to the audio version, we have a fan here. Um, yeah, it's really good. It tells the whole story of that and venture capital and the, the pros and cons of venture capital, a lot of the cons. And you wound up leaving the company. I did. And uh, retained your shares though. Good chunk of them, I'm Good assuming. Chunk of them. Yep. And um, and then the company was sold just a couple years ago. Uh, yeah, like 16 months ago. Wow. Yeah, uh, which a, was a an experience. I'm sure it was. And I remember there was a tweet years ago that you posted because I used it in a talk at one point. And the tweet was, "This is six eight years ago. I think when stuff was well five six years ago. I think stuff was pretty rough at the time." And you mm. said, "I wish I could have one win, just one." And someone said, "What would that be?" And you were like, "An acquisition, uh, something else, right?" And so, you you kind of had that moment, right? Because you got to make some cash on a company that you built. And I know that's not your yeah. no, I know that's was, not your sole motivation. You have a lot yeah. of motivations, but like, what did that feel like getting that win? Um, it was a very complicated set of emotions. Um, but I cannot, I, I cannot argue the point that it was extraordinarily fulfilling and very relieving in a lot of ways too. So I don't know, like the shitty thing is, you know, I had not been at Moz for almost four years when it sold. Um, so, you know, just wasn't involved at all. I hadn't even been on the board of directors for, for, for a year. Uh, and... I don't know, like you, we found out a bunch of shit, you know, Geraldine and I found out a bunch of shit about what happened at the company. Um, and I don't know, it's like a, it's weird, right? It's, I feel um, very proud of a lot of the things that Moz did externally. Like, I think Moz helped educate a ton of people about SEO. I still, you know, I hear from tons of people that are like, you know, your videos, your beginner's guide, your content, whatever, helped me to build a career. Um, Rob, I'll tell you, like, one of the most emotional days I ever had in my whole life was the morning after I left Moz. So, like, I, I you know, I, had, I don't want to say step down. Step down is the wrong word. An agreement was reached by lawyers that I had hired and that Moz had hired because Moz's leadership and I could not come to an agreement, um, which sucked. I, you know, there's like, I, I don't think, this is not a secret, but um, Moz's CEO was my best friend for more than a decade. I, I, I bet, like, I'm sure, I guarantee people in this room have a similar story. I guarantee you where you're like, that was my best friend. And then 
ugly shit happened in the business and now we don't talk. We haven't talked in 10 years. I babysat her kid. Like we went on vacations together. She officiated our wedding, my, Geraldine and I, Mai's wedding. Like I, I can't even tell you when we had, we had nowhere to go for like Christmas and Hanukkah. We went to her family's house. Like this, this woman was as close to me as family, closer. I don't have a great relationship with my parents. It, it fucking sucked when shit fell apart. It was awful. In fact, craziest thing, when, when Ma's sold, Geraldine and I got a very large check, right? Like a very, very large check, super weird. We had never had much money, like, you know, we'd had plenty enough to like pay our rent, right? And our mortgage, but we had never had um, anything beyond like a, a nice salary, which, you know, after I left Moz was lower than $200,000 a year, which was what I was making at Moz. Um, and Geraldine was like, if, if you could go back in time and like change it all, and, and Moz was a failure, like whatever, the company did not succeed, it didn't sell, you know, things went badly with the company, but we kept our friendship intact, you know? With, with Sarah, with, with the CEO. I was like, fuck, I would take that deal any day. Any day I would take that deal. Because that experience was not, it was not worth it. There's no price. You don't put a price on that shit, right? I don't know. So it was ugly and complicated and emotional and also a ton of money and I feel good and <laughs> I don't know. Ugh. A lot of time has passed and it sounds like it's still really complicated. It's still really good. Today is... Russ Jones's birthday. I don't know if, does anybody here know who Russ Jones was? Very, very prominent uh, SEO person. Very well respected. Did a bunch of the Whiteboard Fridays after I left. Was like one of Moz's chief data, you know, SEO people. Uh, and last, what was that, last May, when, when, when Moz got this acquisition offer and, you know, it was, it was progressing, I got an email from Russ um, he was still working at Moz at the time, and he, he was like, what the fuck, was basically his, th that was his email. I don't even know if it had a lot of letters after those three words. Um, and I was like, Russ, I, I'm not on the board of directors. I don't have the ability to modify what this deal is. I can't, I, I have no influence here. I can either sign or not sign. Those are my only two options. And very frankly, if I, if I don't sign, they're probably going to do the deal anyway, just kind of around me. Um, was he, he was upset that infuriated. the company was selling. He, he was infuriated with the compensation that many people who had owned stock um, and worked there for a long time and had stock options had received. And this is one of the biggest problems with venture capital. You know, Moz's last funding round was at $100 million pre-money, which meant all the stock options that got granted after that were at some number above that, right? And the 409A valuation, right, which you have to do if you're blah, blah, blah. Anyway, this is, what, this is one of the things that sucks institutionally about startups is that a ton of people are going to get promised a lot of money. If you work hard at this business, you're not just going to make your salary, you're going to make all, you know, wow, when we IPO, when we sell, you're going to do great. And Russ was fucking pissed that, 
you know, he was doing fine, but he's like, all these people who have worked hard are going to get screwed in this deal. Um, I'm not allowed to disclose what Moz sold for, blah, 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 you know, NDA, et cetera. But uh, I can tell you what I replied to him was, I, told, I was like, I, you know, I don't have any input in this, but I can tell you this. Geraldine and I have been going through Carta. I assume some of you have access to Carta, which is basically like this software that keeps track of all your stock options and like shows you all that. Anyway, and I was like, we are going through and marking anyone who we feel like is getting screwed in the deal. If you know of someone that we don't know of, tell us, because we're going to write checks as big as the IRS will let us. And that's what we did. We ended up writing, uh, I think I can disclose this number because no one can make me sign an NDA against that. We, we wrote about three quarters of a million dollars worth of individual checks to about 40 people who we thought had gotten screwed um, in the deal. I'm sure there's more people that we missed. Um, but the only email I've sent to Sarah in the last like four years was, hey, tell me people who are getting screwed in this deal who we might have missed. And she replied with a few names, um, which I think she also should have written some checks, but that's, I don't get to control that. So, yeah. Wow. What a story. And you, he, again, Ren talks a lot about that in Lost and Founder. Um, what's interesting is when you left Moz, you posted a uh, photo of yourself with your box, you know, and you said, I'm leaving. And somehow I saw that on Twitter and that is, I, I emailed you. Yeah. And that's the first time you and I connected. Yeah. And I said, I've been watching what you're doing for years. Respect the hell out of what you build at Moz. That if, was, you were not alone, by the way. I bet. And that meant, that meant the world to me. Like, I spent 20 days, 30 days, I don't know how long, getting through thousands of emails like yours. And I was like, oh, maybe this thing, which at the time felt really terrible, just awful, like tears and gnashing of teeth. And like, did I waste my whole professional career from the time I dropped out of college until right now building this thing that then kicked me out and I don't have friendships with these people and I don't have control of this thing and blah, 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 all this awful stuff. And then I got so many emails from people like you and I was like, oh, okay. Okay, maybe this was worth it. Yeah. You know, maybe, so, like, maybe my thing went bad, but a lot of people's thing went good. Yeah. Yeah, sometimes that affirmation, I often yeah. jokingly read pot, like glowing podcast reviews on the podcast, and I say, when I'm crying myself to sleep at night, this, these are the reviews I read, right? And that's, that's what exactly. you got. You exactly. got that in your time of need. Yeah. So, and you then went, and I had reached out and said, hey, congratulations, or not congratulations, I said, um, <laughs> condolences, it's great to connect. Um, if you start another company, I'd love to, I'm an angel investor, you know, I write some checks here and there, and uh, I'd like to invest. And you said, great. Uh, I'm, I'm noodling on something, right? And that became what you're running today, yeah. which is Spark Toro. And I remember specifically in the email, you said, I'm looking, I'm looking for a, a, a small group of low drama investors who don't necessarily want us to be on the venture track. It was something to that extent, yeah. right? And because uh, folks might be looking at me and be like, well, don't, don't you invest in startups? Is Rand's railing against VC aren't I technically ABC, but tiny seed, you know, why are you here? Like tiny seed are, is not the terms. No, 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 no. Yes. No venture capitalist on this planet that I'm aware of would invite me to an event. <laughs> <laughs> that is, that is like, I don't know. 
the Republican National Committee inviting John Stewart to keynote. Like, it's just not going to happen. Outspoken critique, yeah. yeah. And uh, so, Spark Toro, um, you started working on with your co-founder, Casey. And you're a team of three now with Amanda? Three. Is that right? Yeah. Crazy. All right. So this is, I mean, there's a lot cool to this story because, A, so you, <laughs> you leave this startup that obviously was not a great experience, uh, Moz. I'm sure early parts were, but yeah, it, yeah. it definitely got complicated for you. Why start another? Um, this is the part where, you know, my brain does the Homer Simpsons thing where it's like, don't say revenge. Don't say revenge. Don't say revenge. Revenge? Uh, that's it. I'm out of here. Um, so there's definitely a huge chip on my shoulder about that whole experience, right? And a small number of people to whom um, I need to prove that I can do it again. And the most annoying person in that set is me, right? <laughs> like, you can't get away from your own brain. And when your own brain is telling you, like, were you good enough? Could you do it again? Was that your only idea? <sighs> yeah, that's, um, it's hard to escape. Did you I get lucky is the, a surprising, it's a motivator for a surprising number of second time founders that I've heard who yeah. are successful with the first one and they wonder if they just got lucky. Yeah, and I was, at the time, unsuccessful with the first one and was like, I need to, you know, yeah. I, I need to prove it and yeah, so I turned down. I turned down a job. What was it? I mean, there there were a few people who reached out, but I think um, uh, it was one of the, it was either maybe it was Snapchat. It was Snapchat or TikTok. I can't remember who. But they were like, "Hey, will you be the like representative to the marketing world for our like social media, you know, social network, and we'll pay you like a million and a half dollars a year?" I was like, oh, "This that's a lot more money than I have on my bank account." Maybe I should say yes to that. And Geraldine was like, oh, just start your startup. I know you're going to do it anyway. Like, <laughs> just do it. She knew it would not she end. Knew. That would like, not have ended not gonna, well. Yeah. So, so you did. So you, you raised a small round from a handful of investors, 20, 30 investors, and with different terms, though. It is not venture investor, not venture, right? Yeah. You actually invented... I mean, it's equity with a salary cap. So, you, but you kind of created your own terms. You open sourced them, in essence, right? So, th yeah, this is. I think this is the insane part, Rob, is that the venture asset class or the startup asset class has venture, which you can invest in, and then it's basically like, okay, well, you know, if you can build a portfolio of 500 companies on average, you can have a market meeting rate of return, right? That's like the statistical odds. Or you have bootstrappers, you can't invest. They're called lifestyle businesses pejoratively, which fuck them, insulting, like go to hell. And this is a lifestyle too, just saying, right? Who, we were just talking, right? Andrew and I were just talking about this. I was like, yeah, this lifestyle is you go to the casino every day and you put it all on black and one in a hundred of you look good and then that's who the media interviews, right? And and there's nothing in between, and that's, that's crap, right? So like, you know, I saw things like um, what, IndyVC, right, early on, and like this, these kinds of like in the middle models. And was like, hey, what if SparkToro could be a way that people who want to invest, kind of like how, 
you know, if any of you have a, um, a fund manager for your own investing, or you do your own investing, right? Some of it is in growth stocks, where the idea is they don't pay dividends, hopefully they just go up and you sell them for more in, at some point in the future. And then you have bonds, and then you have dividend stocks. And there's no bonds or dividend stocks in startups, which is dumb, because it turns out lots of companies that are not venture-backed can profitably make money consistently. So, what the hell? It's just weird. It's like super weird to me that there's no model for this. I think it's semi-intentional because if the venture community doesn't get enough people participating in their ecosystem, then right, if they can't convince enough of us to go start their kinds of companies, then they can't have their like big wins. So anyway, SparkToro is that in the middle, our idea is to last for a long time, be profitable, repay our investors, and then everybody participates in profit sharing pro rata for hopefully many years to come. And then, so I had made, uh, when I invested in SparkToro, maybe 10, 15 private angel investments. And the first two or three, I mean, this is like 2011, 2012. So the only option is venture back. There was no Safe notes, middle. That, yeah. Yep, mm -hmm. it was that, which is fine. I, I wound up being uh, in the first two rounds of um, WP Engine as my first oh, check. So yeah. that's great. Bought my yeah. house. Yay. Yeah. Um, and then after that, I started hearing about, through MicroConf, we had... SaaS companies that were like, well, we want to raise 250 to 500, and we never want to raise again. And, you know, maybe maybe never, maybe they'll do another round, but it's a, we, we don't want to have to raise again, right? That's a thing. And that became super appealing to me. And the valuations are also like sane, right? It's not this two people in a garage with an idea, $20 million safe note with, you know, or uncapped note or whatever. But come on, Travis Kalanick's going to make oh my millions. Um, <laughs> cloud kitchens now, right? Um, and so by the time when you said you were going to do this with SparkToro, I was noodling on um, what I was going to do next because I had sold my company Drip and, and was kind of, you know, in, a, in retirement for about six months and realized that there was a probably a gap in the market that isn't, you know, you can obviously raise money because you're Rand Fishkin, you have a name, people know you, you have a prior success. How many folks out there, maybe get to five, 10, 15K a month, nobody knows, then they can't raise. I couldn't, I mean, shit, I bootstrapped my companies not because I wanted to, because I couldn't raise money. I didn't know people. And also I didn't want to go on the venture track, right? There was no in between. Sure, and yeah. so as we were noodling on tiny seed and our terms around investing, we ran at least a half a dozen models. Anar is a PhD computer scientist, and if you know this data analyst, we ran all these models. We, we back tested a bunch of. I can of tell from his tests. emails. Yeah, well, I know. <laughs> I, I I tone his emails up. I put more humanity into his emails. But and one thing we looked at was of the, all these terms we tested and looked at and asked founders about were the SparkToro terms, and that was the one that that resonated most with us. And that's you know those essentially are the terms we invest under today. So. It's really cool, very inspiring. Um, Look at this beautiful friendship. Yeah, there Look. we are. Amazing. All right, so um, take me to SparkToro today. Sure. I, if we have time, I need to check what our, no. I, yeah, because my watch, I have to push a button. Oh, all right. So if we have time, I want to get into, you've, you've started two companies now, and I'm going to say two successes, to be honest, like by any measure. Um, and I, I do want to hear maybe some learnings between the two. Sure. Before I get to that, where is SparkToro at? Like, how, how long have you been in business? We know you're three employees. And what, you know, if you're willing to say MRR or talk about some sure. idea of where the company is. Yeah, yeah. So the company is still tiny. We, uh, we raised money in June of 2018. We launched the best possible month you could ever launch, April 2020. 
Wow, yeah. It was exciting times. Everyone was paying attention to what new marketing tech is coming out, right? There's no other, no other things on any agenda. Uh, no, it was a little rough um, at launch. But the good news is because we basically had spent those first like 16, 17 months before launch um, doing a lot of marketing, right? So like I was going to a lot of events and speaking. I was blogging a lot, all this kind of, we had a big email list of people who basically said, I am interested in the product that you are planning to build. Um, and that gave Casey time, you know, and, and frankly, the money from our investors gave us time to focus on nothing else. We didn't have to make it a side project. We could focus, build the product, build the marketing, do the research, right? We were doing tons of customer research and validation all that time. Launched in April 2020. Incredibly, we were profitable in October of 2020. So break-even profitable, including our Amazon credits. <laughs> Thank you, AWS. Um, that, made a, that made a big difference because that's our biggest spend outside of people um, in healthcare. And then uh, we basically got to about uh, a million ARR at the end of 2021, and we're at like 1.5, a little over 1.5 now. So it is going well. It's, it's very profitable too. So we put between forty and seventy-five thousand dollars in the bank every month, which is great. Uh, we just passed one point three million in cash, which means we'll be able to repay our investors, right? So that, that's how we raised just under one point three million back in twenty eighteen. So our 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 model says we repay our investors, um, and then once we do that, everybody participates pro rata and profit sharing which is very important, especially for my co-founder, right, who did not get a big check from, from Moz last year because he's, you know, his uh, income is essentially capped. So the, the agreement that we signed with all our investors said, we will pay ourselves only a maximum of the average Seattle software engineer salary according to like pay scale and compete and whatever. And that's, um, that's how we fixed it. So it's very fair. I think our model is extremely fair to investors. Like it's relatively generous, low risk. And it's also very generous to founders, especially after that repayment point. So a bunch of people have used our open sourced docs, a bunch of people, like four companies have used our open source docs um, to raise rounds of their own, which is very cool, cool too. Yeah, I love yeah. to see that. Yeah, that's great. Um, okay. And wow, so a million and a half, that's, yeah. Yeah, so we hired, really we hired well. Amanda uh, just over a year ago. So I think she's been with us 13 months. She reached out to me on Twitter. We started chatting a bunch. Geraldine and I were in Los Angeles visiting Geraldine's brother. And Amanda was like, oh, let's have lunch. So we have lunch, and at the end of lunch, she was like, here's why I think I should be Spark Toro's first employee. Nice. <laughs> and I was like, oh. That's a good pitch. <laughs> I did the whole thing. It's <laughs> a good pitch. That's great. Three employees, 1.5 million. Anyone else envious of those profit margins? Yeah, that's great, man. I'm glad. To, I'm glad. To, glad I to mean, we're that. expensive people, but you know, yeah, not, right. like not horribly. Right. Right. Okay. So, um, I am curious. Aside from, you know, not raising venture with Spark Toro, is there is there something else? Are there anything? <laughs> of course, there are. This is the, when the, the interview knows the answer, but like is actually, you know, asking so everyone else can hear. But it's like, what's one or two things that you have done re dramatically differently with Spark Toro or a learning that you've put in place that you took away from uh, Moz? Ooh, yeah. Um, let's see. I think uh, technical co-founder. 
technical co-founder, which I know everyone recommends, but the degree to which Casey Henry cares that nothing is ever wrong, nothing is ever broken, there is zero downtime, there is never, like if something doesn't work on the site, he is on it no matter what, right? He has this um, passion that I, I have never experienced in a software engineer that I worked with um, at Moz, and I worked with plenty of good ones, including Casey, right? Casey was at Moz for four years between like 2009 and 13. Uh, and yeah, it's, whew, it's really nice. It's so nice. I've, I've heard there are several TinyC founders who I think about um, somewhere around 20% of TinyC companies. We've funded 81 companies to date. And I think about 20-ish, maybe it's 15, maybe it's 25, are, do, do not have a technical co-founder. So it is definitely a minority. Most of them I talk to, even the ones that are successful, say, I won't do this again without a technical co-founder. You know, just because it's, it's tough, as you said. Someone who cares so much about the tech, right? Someone who's willing to, to dive into it. Yep. Okay. Uh, I mean, the only other thing I would say that's um, massively different from how I did Moz is, this is weird. Uh, I think it's a point of pride. A bunch of people like to give me shit about it. A bunch of people from like Venture World. I almost never work more than 30 hours a week. I try to make sure Casey never does or never has to either. Amanda, same story. We all have like other things that we do with our lives. Casey's like, you know, full-time dad. He's responsible for laundry and dishes and cleaning the house. And he helps his neighbor like build projects on their house. I don't know, he's a very sweet guy. Um, Midwesterners are fascinating to me. It's like a whole different country. Um, he, he lives here in the Seattle area, but he, he's, he's from Michigan. Uh, and, you know, Amanda obviously is, is a mom. She has like other like marketing classes that she runs and projects that she works on and other companies that she helps. And we're like, no, no, mm -mm, we're not going to make this. This is not a, Moz was 60 hour 70, sometimes 80, crazy intense. You know, nothing, there was nothing else in my life. And, Rob, I believe because of that, I made a bunch of terrible decisions. I was sleep deprived. I was stressed out of my mind. I thought this was the only thing I had in my life. And everything rode on every single decision. And with SparkToro, I'm kind of like, well, this doesn't go well, it'll be fine. We'll do the next thing. Right? Like, it's, it's so chill. I, I wish I could describe to you how chill this job is. It is fantastic. And I don't think if I were to put tons more hours into it that I would be getting massively more out of it. And that's, it's all by design, right? Like you get to, the beautiful, this is, look, late stage capitalism fucking sucks. I get it. Like, I hate tons of it too. But the best part is you get to choose how to apply your labor. You get to choose how to design your workplace. As an entrepreneur, you can say, I want to fund it this way. I want to design the work this way. I want to, for example, one of the things that we did with SparkToro's tech is Casey's like, no real time. Hmm. There is nothing that gets fetched that is real time. Everything gets updated behind the scenes. If the crawler goes down, we can't access Twitter. We can't access LinkedIn. Oh, we didn't get the Facebook data for this. We didn't get the, it doesn't matter. We'll get it tomorrow. He'll get a ping in Slack. He'll go fix it next week. It's fine. 
the whole model of the, of the data set is you're analyzing data from the last 120 days. So if yesterday's data doesn't come in. At Moz, if rankings were down for 24 hours, every customer was like, what the fuck? I need my rankings, right? So we just, we refuse to build something like that. Yeah. Is it, would you say it's a lifestyle business, but in the non-pejorative way? Yeah. I mean, venture is a lifestyle too, baby. I know. I know. I'm just, <laughs> so, I'm just messing with you. I, this, I, that's I knew exactly that would right. kind of trigger him. Man. Yeah, yeah. All right. So I think we're going to wrap on, uh, I want, I have two, que two last questions for you. So um, you're in Geraldine's 14th anniversary. Yesterday. Yeah. Yesterday. Congratulations. Thank you. Which is harder, being married for 14 years or growing a startup, and there is a wrong answer? Be, which is harder? Yeah, or which is easier? Which would you Oh my prefer? God, I mean, <laughs> I'm, be, I, I'm, look, I'm I can't just speak, trolling to, I cannot speak to all marriages, but being married to Geraldine is easy. It, it, it's, not, it's not that it's easy, it takes work, right? Like, um, there's this stupid idea that exists in like the, whatever, media consciousness around like romance and romance movies. And the idea is you fall in love and then you are in love. No motherfucker, that's not how it works. You choose actively every day to love someone. You invest your work and your mental model into being a good partner to them, being a good roommate to them, being a good spouse and supporter. You believe in them and they believe in you and you have hard conversations sometimes. That's love, like whatever this, oh man, that person looks kind of hot in a dress. Like, let me go chat, that's, that's, that's another thing. That's different, right? So being in a relationship, as long as you buy into what love really is, I don't know, I, I don't just find it, easy is the wrong word, but it's, um, very fulfilling and very, it, it would be very hard for me to imagine myself existing and being whatever, as you know, however good a human being I am, I can't imagine myself being that good without Geraldine, right? It's like a, it's a partnership. I appreciate you answering that. Yeah. I was, it was, I was joking, but that's great. No, yeah. man, <laughs> I was joking. Oh, was, <laughs> it's getting gone off. Right. Uh, mm -hmm. All right. So totally, I was too, yeah. I want to... <laughs> I want, uh, I want to wrap with this question, um, and then we can, we can have beer. I believe it's, um, uh, oh, we're open till six. So Love it. yeah, we got some time to chill, talk to founders more. This is a question from you actually, that you had, had proposed and I, I like it. It's what's something that you are really into right now. Something that if we were at dinner and someone brought it up that you could go all night. All night. It. Oh man, I mean, there's, there's a wide variety of topics, but um, let's see, very, very specifically, I'm obsessed with a video game called Disco Elysium. Whoa. Yes! <laughs> see? But only one per, anyone else heard of it? Because I've never even heard and of now, it. And now, me oh, ahead, and Big Beard Guy are best friends. <laughs> is, it, is it an iPad game? What is it? No, it is, it is like an old school style CRPG. Uh, you take on the role of a very problematic, um, insomniac, alcohol, late stage alcohol poisoned detective solving a case in a fictional world. Uh, and it is uh, some of the best writing ever, just full stop period. I believe it is the first video game ever to win a Nebula award, 
which they only started giving to video games because of Disco Elysium. Like, that's how well-written it is. It's also deeply political. Um, Disco made by, Elysium. It's the first ever project from an Estonian artist collective called Z-A-U-M. Uh, not video game makers at all, but anyway. I plan to cosplay as uh, the detective's partner for Halloween, and Geraldine's gonna put on big mutton chops and cosplay as the detective. It's gonna be awesome. You should definitely meet us at Bait Shop on Capitol Hill, October 31. There it is. Um, what, what platform do you play it on? Uh, I've played on both Steam and Switch. Okay. Yeah. Cool. Yeah. My answer for the record is Dungeons and Dragons. No way. Yeah. I, yeah. Do you know that I have to leave here at 545 so that I can go be a DM for a game? I figured as much. My God, we're nerdy. Yeah, this is great. Look at this. Look at this. I, Anyone here played D&D? &D? It's, it's pretty couple. great. It's pretty great. It's basically, um, what do I call it? It's like uh, Pretend with dice is what I call it. Oh, yeah, pretend. Make believe okay. with dice. Yeah, make believe. I mean, it has aspects of, um, what's that called, where people try and do acting, but with no script. Improv. Improv, that's exactly yeah, what it is. Improv. It's like nerdy improv. There's many varieties of D&D, &D, right? That's right. So we, we play what people on the internet, obviously I'm not gay, but we play what people on the internet call gay D&D. &D. Like it's very... A lot of improv play, and a lot of emotion. Heavy, yeah. A lot of improv. Mine, our, mine is actually a lot. Yeah. See, I started playing when I was eight, and so we, it was just mechanics. It was like roll dice, hit creatures. Yes. We play a little more. We do something. You're a little more the Stranger Things, Dean. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yep. So on that note, ladies and gentlemen, <laughs> let's hear it for Rand Fishkin. Thanks. Thanks again for coming out, sir. Rand will be here till 545, apparently. Um, that's so cool. I did not know that. I knew that he played D&D, &D, but I did not know he was leaving here to go play. All right, just a couple more things. Xander, should I do the closing now? Or, okay, so that y'all can leave at any time without feeling like you missed something. I, oh yeah, we have the stapler. We have the sponsors. Okay, so once again, I, I do want to thank our three sponsors. Pipe, as I mentioned, uh, Quiet Light Brokerage, talked about them. And in fact, Chris Guthrie is here now. So Chris, just stand up and raise your hand. Yeah, if you want to talk to Chris, want to hear more about what it would be like to acquire a business or to sell one. And it's any type of, um, it's, it's content sites, e-commerce, SaaS. Am I missing any? Those are the big categories, yeah. So he and he's been doing it for years. He himself was a SaaS founder, uh, used to come to, or comes to MicroConf and had sold his company and then decided to work with QuietLight. So he's a cool dude to chat with. And shout out as well to DN Simple, as I called out earlier. Um, we have a giveaway, producer Xander. Where is it? Oh yeah, okay, cool. So at MicroConf, at the big growth events. We often give away like, you know, the newest Xbox or the newest PlayStation, and that's the runner-up prize. The grand prize at our, at our flagship events is a red stapler, okay? And I have one of these sitting at home. It's a swing line. It's my red stapler. And uh, we've given away, I believe, if I were to calculate quickly, probably 20, we've had 26 or 27 microconfs, and so you have one of only 26 or 27 of these in the world. 
except for Swingline makes a lot of them. So don't go on Amazon and buy one. Come to MicroConf and get the MicroConf variety. Xander literally did curbside pickup at Office Max this morning for this because he's like, I forgot the stapler. And I was like, well, that can't be a MicroConf without it. Must be present to win is Rennie Haylock in the house. Rennie. Congratulations, sir. Use it with pride. Maybe we'll get a selfie later with that. All right, anything else? We have a couple t-shirts to give away. What should we do? Anything? Uh, pick a number between one and 10. That was right. What size t-shirt are you? <laughs> this, this man wins a t-shirt. All right. Um, oh, where are they? Where's the bag? There's a bag behind me. All right, come up after and I'll give you a t-shirt. Actually, the, how many t-shirts do we have, Xander? Two smalls, two mediums, two larges. And then we have a women's small and a women's medium. Okay, if you would like a MicroConf t-shirt, I was wearing one of these today. One of these and then I put it back in the bag. No, I was wearing one that just looked like it. It's got the MicroConf logo on it. Just saunter on up after this and uh, I will give you one if I have the right size, or you can shrink it. All right, so that's going to wrap us up. We are here till six. Tip your weight staff, and um, I'm not here all week. I'm flying out tomorrow morning, but it has been. I'll talk to more of you guys. It's been amazing to uh, to see you here. Thanks for coming. And uh, there is food in the back. It looks like an amazing spread. That's a lot of food, man. This is dinner. This is going to be great. So thank you again for coming. Round of applause for y'all here. For taking a little flyer on us. If you've never been to a microconf, I'm sure you were kind of like, who's going to be there and what's it going to be like? And I really do appreciate you coming out. So, um, you know, when you leave here, obviously, hopefully you get uh, some contact info for some folks that you connected with. And we do have a Slack group I mentioned at the start called MicroConf Connect a lot. Actually, raise your hand if you're in MicroConf Connect already. Yes, sir. wow, yeah, there's a lot of folks. Okay, we have 3,600 and counting uh, folks like in this room, bootstrapped, mostly bootstrapped founders. And um, it's, as I said, it's free, microconfconnect.com. And you can get in, we moderate it, and it's a great conversation happening. Uh, and if you wanna keep getting you know, content like this, there's a podcast called The MicroConf Podcast. Um, that we put out every week. We'll probably, this conver very conversation, we'll probably be on it, you know, in the next month. And our YouTube channel, which is microconf.com slash YouTube. And we have, you know, we didn't record today, but we have talk videos. We have uh, all types of stuff, me yapping my mouth about SaaS per usual. So thanks again for coming and uh, I'll see you around. <laughs>